Are you ready to take the lead in the dance of life? Fall in love with who you are right now and find uninhibited joy every day? Then it's time for you to flaunt your smart, sexy, and spiritual self. Join radio host Laura Cheadle and learn how the five steps of flaunt can help you quit seeking approval, proving your worth, and release you from the judgment of others. Express all that you are, discover your naked self-worth, and finally, enjoy the life you've worked so hard to create. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Flaunt, the podcast for everyone who's ready to get to know themselves and show themselves unapologetically for who they are, not for who they think they should be. So they can choreograph the next phase of their life on their own terms and find the enthusiasm, joy, and satisfaction that they're looking for. Today's guests, I've got two amazing guests, and they are experts at just that, knowing who they are and what they want, and then showing themselves unapologetically for who they are. They are the hosts of an amazing podcast called The Not So Perfect Podcast, and they've got a really interesting story that I'll let them go further into, but basically they were married. And then they decided they wanted to get a divorce and then they came back together. And at that point, they got really curious about what was going on, what was good, what was bad, what research said and what they needed to do to stay happy, to stay connected, to fight better, to have a resilient marriage. And I mean, we're talking about everything under the sun. We're talking about sex. We're talking about just living together. We're talking about all of that. So I am not going to put words in their mouth. I am just going to introduce them, Sam and Patrick Cullinane of Bigger Love and the Not So Perfect Couple. Welcome to the show, you two. Thank Thank you you for having us. Yay. It's It's February. We are recording this in February for Valentine's Day when everybody is thinking about love. And I would love for you two to share your story from falling in love to falling out of love to falling back in love and staying in love. First off, just a quick note on Valentine's Day, uh, chocolates and flowers are half off the day after Valentine's Day. So that's what we celebrate it. I like Well, that's when Patrick celebrates it. (laughs) (laughs) Patrick hasn't Patrick's not a big Valentine's Day fan. But it's Hallmark Day. I call it Hallmark Day. I feel like the last few years though that you've been this is actually making more of an effort. This is a really good example of everything that you're talking about because I used to get pissed. It's like I don't need to be told when to be romantic and this is dumb. It's Hallmark, it's all this and that and the other. And then 22 years into our marriage, I realized, maybe it was 21, <laughs> I realized like four years ago that um, that may be how I feel, but that's not how Sam feels. And I don't really want her to explain to her friends all of my lame theories <laughs> anymore. So I'm just going to celebrate <laughs> Valentine's Day for her. And you know what? I really love that he's doing that now. I yeah. bet you do. I bet you do. <laughs> all right. Back to our story. Yes. Yeah. yeah we've been married. 25 years this year so that's gonna be that's a that's a good that's a that's a good hunk it's a long run yeah congratulations thank you yeah so we met 25 years ago we did we fell in love pretty quickly I think we were married within six months of meeting each other yep and it was great I mean the first year of marriage is always pretty it's a little rough you know to learn how to live with someone and I already had a child from a previous relationship and so that made it I think extra rough for Patty but for the most part, the first 10 years of our marriage, well, probably seven. First seven years of our marriage were pretty good. Okay. And then, and then it started to get kind of rough and rocky. I and six. Six. Yeah, because when we moved back to Utah. Yeah. We, cha- we, we moved and then it got, I got into a big career that required a lot of time and a lot of energy and a lot of effort. And mm-hmm. that um, was kind of my number one priority then came the kids and then came Patty. Patty Mm -hmm. sort of came in last as far as my priority list went. 
um, which doesn't help a marriage in any way, shape or form. No, it doesn't. But isn't that common? I, you know, Super really, common. yeah, you've got to make money. And we're all told from day one, be responsible, keep your job, blah, 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 take care of your kids. So it's not that it's wrong. It's There's nothing that, wrong with it, but no, but everybody, everybody's guilty of complacency in a relationship in one form or another, you know, you just like men in general, um, I've noticed that, you know, the stop being as romantic, they stop being, you know, you start taking a lot of that stuff for granted after three or four years and the honeymoon phase is over. So um, it all kind of fell into the same category. And I was, I was building a business. And so I was, you know, working for sweat equity and um, for free, he wasn't making money. I made money. I just didn't make as much as you. Um, But it didn't take me a ton of effort to make the money I made. So Sam didn't really give me a lot of credit for what I was doing and felt the need, um, you know, to provide for our family. Um, and therefore that should be her priority, not me. You know? Yeah. I really justified it. Like, Oh, I'm in charge of making all, you know, making sure that we have everything we need. We had everything we needed and more. I and mean, that's another thing about money. You know, you sort of get on the treadmill and you're like, we need more and more and more and more and more. We didn't probably need all that money, but anyway, it became the number one thing. Here's and some, here's some fun facts. You've been married to me longer than you were alive when we met. Here's one. <laughs> and um, you've been retired longer than you ever had to work in your life. Boom. <laughs> wow. Although, I, I mean, I'm still working. Like, you can't say I don't work. I, I still work, but I don't have to work full time. So that's nice. Yeah. And the, in the, in the stuff that you have to do for work, you can do it whenever you want. True that. Like tomorrow. Yeah. Or the next day. I like that. So anyway, 10 years in the marriage, I was really, um, not, I, and, and another thing that I think that was hard was, you know, I, I traveled a lot and I'd come home mm-hmm. and I honestly felt like when I came home that all Patty wanted was to have sex. Yeah. And I was exhausted. I wanted to sleep. I wanted to see the kids and he just wanted to have sex. And I was like, ugh. No. Want to reconnect you're kind of cheapen, cheapening it a little bit well i understand that now but at the time i just was like oh leave me alone right i don't feel like doing that i don't feel romantic i don't want to be with you so i was like and then i felt like i was making all the money and we had nannies to help us take care of the kids so i was like what do i need what do i need a husband for right like somebody to hound me for sex and then he also was jealous so he was accusing me of cheating which anyway, emotionally, I, I was having some emotional affairs. And um, so I just said, I'm, I'm done. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be married anymore. There's another pretty big element to it also. There's, I mean, the way that you presented it to me was I just want to try it on my own for a while. When we got separated, she's like, I've never really been on my own. I really don't feel like I need you. Mm-hmm. It was, wasn't very romantic separation. Um, <laughs> but the Are any of them? <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> But that was that that to me, I still think carried almost as much weight as everything else you're saying in that, you know, you got pregnant when you were 19 um, and you you missed out on all of the sowing your oats, heyday, you know, waking up with the stranger <laughs> kind of years that we that everybody went through. And um, yeah, so you, you wanted to try. You never really, truly been on your own. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love and I'm using the word love, like kind of in a different way. Cause it's not like, I love that you had problems. <laughs> That's not what I mean by that. <laughs> but what I love about it is everything that you say is so common. I don't mm-hmm. think there is a married person out there who has never looked at their spouse and thought, what is it that you do all day or has ever looked at their spouse and thought you're totally ignoring me. All I want is this. And why can't you do Everybody out there looks at their spouse and has these internal dialogues with themselves about what their spouse is doing. And when you were saying he just wants sex and he's saying, I want to reconnect. I mean, obviously that's a disconnect between what connection looks like for one of you and what it looks like for the other of you. Exactly. Well, it's also not, it's also not having any idea, you know, it's, it's like, we didn't start doing research on a lot of this stuff until after we agreed to get back together, but um, it's also not really having any idea of how it really all truly works. So me being a dumb man, I'm thinking, well, she doesn't want to have sex with me. She wants, she must want to have sex with somebody else. Yes. And that's just not, it wasn't even true. It's not even true. Right. No, no, no. And like that sex with anybody. (laughs) Right. You, you just want to sleep. (laughs) And because most of us were doing it wrong. 
you know mm-hmm. i mean even that many it's it's not like we we had bad sex we had great sex in fact the year we were separated i was like i seduced her a bunch of times but um we that's true <laughs> that's good because we... i wasn't having sex with anybody else <laughs> right no, even when we were broken up you know right because right. that's not what it's about because it wasn't about that yeah mm-hmm. for me mm-hmm. anyway learning how to do it right and um you know, learning simple things like I can turn her on by vacuuming, you know, yes. stuff like that. Hot, super <laughs> <Yeah>. hot. <laughs> Very hot. Dishes, yep. hot. Mm-hmm. Driving Mopping. a carpool. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Mopping the floor is probably my favorite, though. I hate mopping. But strap the nail bags on and spend all weekend building a deck. That wasn't, I wasn't getting any love language points for that. So Mm-mm. not as hot. Mm-mm. It is pretty hot. I mean, if I don't wear a shirt. For some. For some. <laughs> <laughs> so like that, you're not, you're not connecting. You decide to separate. It is nice to try it on your own too. And, and you raised a great point that we enter into relationships at different points in our life as well. And sometimes mm-hmm. it's a great time, but we've missed out on some other stuff or we've spent so many years alone that we sure would like a relationship, but I really don't want to live with you. Yeah. And sometimes it's not about the relationship. It's just about ourselves and the phase of life that we're in. Yeah. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. So you're apart. And then what happened? We, we actually thought we were divorced. We signed divorce papers, I think maybe a month or two into the separation. So we yeah. thought we were divorced. And it was a really clean separation, divorce, everything, because I was kind of pissed. I was like, man, my business is finally starting to take off. Um, you're taking a knee on the one yard line, you know? And, um, and so I was like, fine, you take everything. I'll sign the house over to you. I mean, I, I took like my baseball card collection in my car and, so and then like, I went back and I got the bed right. that I built because I didn't want her having sex with somebody else in that thing. Um, <laughs> but that was it. That was all I took. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was clean and easy and made me feel it actually made me feel good that you did it that way yeah so i and i didn't even get a lawyer i just like i'll use your lawyer what's he gonna do (laughs) yeah we've already agreed on everything so we it was it the good thing is our quote-unquote divorce was clean and then you know i was living in spain i actually moved to spain with the children and my company paid to fly patrick out um, I think they agreed to do it like every couple months. So he, he flew out and stayed with us. Um, and like he said, he, I was like, you can just stay with us. Cause he was going to take care of the kids when I was at work and you know, take him to school and do all the stuff that he, you know, that our nanny usually did. And so he stayed with us and then he did, he's, he, he seduced me. Um, but I think it took, it took almost the full year for us to decide that we might want to still be back together. Uh-huh. Um, it was pretty much last minute. I mean, I, yeah, for I guess me, you're right. For me, I had to grow over that year and get rid of stop blaming. It took six months to quit blaming Sam for everything and start looking inside. And it took, mm-hmm. it took another three or four months to get myself to the point where I knew I could be happy with or without her. Um, and that was the hottest thing he had ever said to me. Yes. Like, I don't need you. I will be fine with or without you. And I was like, oh my God, you're so sexy right now. But uh. my preference, <laughs> but my preference, if I could choose, was to do it with her because it's much easier co-parenting when you're in the same house. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I mean, I did the same thing, right? I'm living in Spain. I'm thinking it's going to be so great. And it I was kind of the same thing. I was still lonely. I still had a lot of the same gripes. Just I couldn't blame it on Patrick anymore. I had to look at myself and was like, oh, I'm not happy because I'm not happy. It doesn't, with or without Patrick, I still have to fix some stuff so that I can be happy. It also helped that I told her that we didn't need her job anymore and she could just quit it. Yeah. And he said, you can quit your job. And I was like, whoa. It was one of the things that like we came back together and I'm, um, I, I, I had new criteria. It was like, look, I mean, we can't just do this. If you're going to continue making your job the most important thing to your life and putting the kids second and then me third, um, that's just won't fly. So right. you figure out how to change that order up a little bit or, you know, if you don't like your job anymore, quit because we don't need it. So that helped. Uh-huh. Okay. So many people, so many people, I mean, you know, myself included, but 
every single girlfriend that I've ever had, every single client that I've ever had, I think there's a point in the relationship where they would say, I kind of want to renegotiate terms. I'm mm-hmm. a different person now. Yeah, <laughs> I have more life experiences now. I'm a mom. Now I'm a whatever. Can we renegotiate? Why don't we just do that? Why isn't that a thing in every marriage or every relationship that every three years or five years or whatever that you sit down and say, this doesn't work anymore. Yeah. Well, you can lose your, you can lose your identity too in a relationship because oh, totally. You, in the beginning, you, you, you love everything they love. And you're like, Oh, museum. Yeah, I'll go there. I don't need to go to the football game. Um, I love me. I like museums. And then next thing you know, you don't get to watch football anymore. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So I don't know that that's a really small example, but one of the, one of the first things that happens is that we, we stop taking care of ourselves and we start taking care of kids and we start taking care of our spouses and we don't carve out that time for ourselves anymore. So every few years, if you're not doing that, you have to make that non a non-negotiable. Yeah. You know? And you said something else really important about, you know, not watching football, doing a museum. It's true on the other side too. I will watch football once every two years. (laughs) (laughs) But when I first started dating Sean and he's a big football guy, I'm more willing to sit there and watch football. And then he thinks that I'm somebody that I'm not. Yeah. Well, you, what you are is somebody that likes that values the, the time love language. You know what I mean? You want to spend time with them. Yeah. Plus you probably liked watching him get excited and everything. And that was all fun for you. But after a while, it's like, Oh, well, he wants to do that. Then I can go be over here doing this. Yeah. And you can both, it's, it's all okay. (laughs) Yeah, it is. But to just verbalize it, that it's not a rejection of you that suddenly I don't love you. Yeah. It's just that now I'm becoming more me. And I, I I covered that part up for a while because I was so interested in you. And now I'm back to, you know, my work's all around burlesque. So stripping out of that layer, don't need it anymore. And it's all okay. Well, there's, so there's, there's you, there's me, and then there's us. And so that's another thing that you end up having to, with kids and everything, kind of for scheduling date night once a week, or, you know, like a weekend together to put the kids with mom and dad and just go spend the weekend together and focus on us, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Instead of laundry, because Sam, you were saying a couple of things that I could really relate to too. I was the stay at home mom for many years and Sean traveled and Mm -hmm. I was overloaded And he would come back and I would send the kids to my parents and I'd be like, yes, we can catch up on laundry and we can go grocery shopping. And (laughs) I haven't had a shower in three days, you know, and same thing. He's thinking, no, we can be together. And I'm like, we can catch up. You've been gone and you're going to leave again. We've got 48 hours. Go. Yeah. Yeah. So total miscommunication. Okay. So going back to you guys, you decide to get back together and do you have some conversations around what is this going to look like or how do you start learning more? Because obviously you were each doing your own work, which is paramount to any relationship ever. But how do you, how do you bridge that gap between yay fantasy? I just love you. And let's all go back together. And no, this is what we truly, truly need. I don't think we were as, as, intentional as we could have been like we got back together and we had a few things we've definitely had like patty had some things that he really wanted to do that was just for himself that i would definitely not want to participate you know he loved his bowling league and he liked his poker um me not prioritizing my job was one of the criteria i also had things that i wanted to focus on that you know what didn't involve patty so we we decided you know we had some of those things but i don't think it was until And we actually, I think we've kind of fell madly back in love for a little while after we got back together, Mm -hmm. but, but, you know, then, then some of our old habits started to come up and we started having the same feelings again. And so I didn't, she did. I I still was, wasn't cleaning. (laughs) (laughs) I don't get it. No, well, I, I think we, when we, there was a big aha when we read the five love languages. And I was like, going to oh say, God, we read the five love languages. Yes. And I don't remember how that, I don't remember how that came up. It might've even been like my book club or something crazy. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh my God, I have to read this. We're going to read this together. And that was a huge, like, we were both like, Whoa, this, it was a game changer. 
Well, because I'm a, I was, I'm a touch guy, right? And so I'm always touching her, you know, rubbing her head, rubbing her shoulders, because I love that stuff, right? But, but that's how I, so because I want somebody to do that for me, I do it for other people thinking they're going to love it too. And then it's just not, we're not all the same. So, right. Yeah. Um, and I'm not a touch person. In fact, if you touch me too much, I start to feel a little bit irritated. Yeah. Um, it depends on where. <laughs> And when, <laughs> when and where you're touching me. Yes, this is true. I hear you though. When I was, cause my kids are 22 months apart and there was a oh long God. time where I'm nursing two babies and they're oh clinging on God. me all the time. And it's, and somebody touches me and it's just like, don't, I can't take yeah. any more yeah. input. Yeah. Like boobs are off limits for two years. <laughs> yeah, don't <laughs> touch me. <laughs> and then my two-year-old had this thing where he was always rubbing my arm and somebody would even touch me on the arm and it was like, it hurts. Just stop. Yeah. There's a raw spot there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's so, safe to say your two-year-old is probably a touch person. Totally. Oh, <laughs> totally. Totally. <laughs> So you read this book and it's a game changer. What was the point though, that you two decided because you're, you're relationship experts at this point, you know, you, you totally get, where was that point where you're like, it's not really just about us. We have, we want to do more. Or was it just that you've done so much for yourself? How, how did that all happen? Well, it's funny. We had, because it's so, I don't, I actually don't think it's as unusual as people think, but, um, you know, the fact that we broke up, got divorced, thought we were divorced and decided to get back together. People are like, how did you do that? How do you go from saying, I never want to be with you again to let's make this work because people, and, and, you know, the crazy thing about people in their relationships is they really don't go for help until it's desperate because we somehow believe naively that our relationships are just supposed to work out if we're with the right quote unquote, right person. Oh, that drives me crazy. I don't know. Is this, well, there's also, and I, I think, just think that's a whole bunch of BS, but go, sorry. Got I was just going to say, I think with every couple that's facing a split, there's one of them that quietly is hoping there it's not going to happen or it's not going to, it's, it's not, they're not going to get a divorce or they can pull the, the nose up. You know what I mean? One of those people is thinking that way. So those are the ones that usually would ask us, what'd you guys do? <laughs> yeah. And we ended up helping. I mean, the, we've given a lot of advice and coaching to many, many couples over the years. And we've started thinking, you know, we could probably shorten this process if we just write a book about what we know and then we can like give them the book. And then, you know, if you still need help, come back to us and we'll, you know, continue right. to help you. But um, yeah, we kind of figured that that was something that we really knew about that we could give to the world as a gift, you know, like these are the things that we learned. And yeah, cause it's, it's a, the book kind of serves twofold. If you're young and, and, you know, new, new in a relationship, you ought to read it because it's, it gives you an idea of what's coming. Yeah. Um, but, and if you've been in a relationship for a long time and you kind of lost your way, then it, it should help with that kind of thing as well. Um, at least that's our intention. Like you said, and, and I wrote it down, people don't go for help until they're desperate. Yeah. And so often if they read the book, even if they're like, this doesn't make any sense, hopefully on some level it's going to resonate because at some level they're going to get there. And then they might think back, oh, there was that book I hated, but I think it might be valuable. Now I get it. Yeah, exactly. They told us in that book that we weren't going to be madly in love forever. Right. Right. Yeah. That there are phases of love and you have to go, you know, and it's ebbs and flows and it, you know, it's not, you aren't going to be madly in love your whole life. It goes mm-hmm. into different kinds of love and yep. those are just as beautiful mm-hmm. or maybe more beautiful. Well, in the honeymoon phase, a lot of people are leaving out the love yourself, the number one, you know? Yeah. So, yes. Yeah. So you said number one is what are your, your tips for love? Is that, like the number one one or what absolutely yeah i mean there's there's multiple quotes out there about it one of our favorites was uh one of oprah's guests i I always forget her name um but she was saying you know that they they, people are like oh you're selfish because you just do things for yourself and it's like no it's self self full in other words so if you if you do something that helps fill you up with love for yourself so that the point to the point of being overflowing now now you can like now help you somebody else. Now you share. really have something to give somebody, you know. Whereas if you're only half full of love for yourself, you know, 
So it's that idea too, of taking full responsibility for your own happiness. Yeah. You can't look to your partner and say, you, I hate that, that quote, you, you complete me that no, you don't complete me. I'm a full whole person myself. And you I you don't make me happy. I you don't make too. me happy. You don't That's make me, I, yeah. I feel those emotions and yeah. then I choose how to react to them, you know, but this idea that we're both responsible for our own happiness, which means I have to take care of myself first so that I'm happy and resonating at a high enough vibration level to then overflow so that I can bring yeah. that love to Patty and, and everybody else that I, we, we spend a lot of time tying our happiness to our significant other. And, um, I mean, I still do it to this day. We uh, do. It, we, everybody falls it, into that. I'll try to do something nice for Sam. And if it doesn't, you know, if he hits with a little bit of a thud or something, then I'll own it for until I catch myself and be like, whoa, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's not it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think self-love is huge. I think it's, too, I think it is too. And Self-love and responsibility for yourself are closely related, but they're also kind of different. They are kind of different. Yeah. Because I can be totally in love with me and still act like the prima donna and expect you to do everything for me. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's, yeah, absolutely. So, but then eventually that other partner is probably going to feel resentful and you know, it, you can't always be the taker. You have yeah. to, you have to manage that give and take. Yeah. yeah, and you can be you can be full of love for yourself, but still laying blame at the other person for whatever. Moods. moods are a good example. Oh, the, I'm I'm just in a bad mood because you made me mad. Well, nobody makes you mad. You choose to be mad about something and then carry it on with you for the rest of the day. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I like I like that. Um, so many people listening to the show around Valentine's Day, I think, will either be in a relationship and they say, I really wish it was better or they're looking for a relationship because I can't find anybody that's good out there. And I was wondering if you could kind of address both of those. First of all, it's him or it's her. It's not a great relationship. I'm reading all the books. I'm doing all the work. He doesn't, he doesn't care. He's not interested. It's not good. He, what do you say to somebody like that? What, what can they do to well, help? It's, it's one of those um, things that you're talking about, like sitting down, setting expectations and resetting from time to time. And if you're really invested in your relationship and you feel like um, it neither, there's some work that needs to be done there. So you're reading the books and you're doing these things and you're trying to get the other person to do it and they're not, it's time to talk about how invested they are in that relationship. Do you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Because I really, I need more from you. How, how can I communicate to you what I need? so that you can give it to me. And a lot of people are reading the books and like, you should read this. This book's for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we hear that a lot. Here, I got you this book. Yeah. Well, did you read it? Have you done the things inside there? <laughs> are you really implementing it? It's also something to, to intellectually understand something. It's another thing to put that intellectual understanding into practice. Yes. And, and be self-aware enough to understand how you are feeling, what you are thinking, and then how are you reacting and how are you interacting with your partner? That it takes a lot of self-awareness to, to implement a lot of the things that we talk about in the book, because you, it's a lot of self-regulation, self-knowledge, self, and then that self-love. Yeah. Yeah. And one of, one of my favorite kind of epiphanies I had in my life, I call it my passion epiphany. Like three years into our marriage we were having sex and i'm like god there just isn't any passion you know i don't i don't think i can do this for the rest of my life <laughs> mm -hmm. and uh and then within 10 minutes i'm laying there thinking having these thoughts and i was like well how much passion will i bring into the table you know i was laying <laughs> on top i was laying there going do, 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 do. No passion here you know <laughs> so it's the same thing in your relationship if you feel like your relationship is stalled um or you're unhappy um, double down on your effort and you'd be amazed at just it's, that's what I've done in my life I've doubled down every time I start to feel like I want to quit something or I want to I'm not I don't have any excitement in it or that I've lost my passion if I double down on my effort for that thing yes it almost always almost always to a T turns things 180 in the other direction I and love then, that 
I yeah. love that because one of my favorite things is the, and what I work with people when I coach them is give what you want to get. If mm-hmm. you're wanting respect, give respect. If you want love, give respect. And that's very similar. Double down on your efforts because yeah. then at least you'll know. I mean, you know, you're talking about communicating to your partner. I guess if you were saying, this is what I need as a human, as a soul, and this is what I need from you. And they say, nah, not going to give it. Then I guess that puts you in that decision point then. All right, yep. then I do need to leave or I will suck it up, but yeah. do something else. <laughs> and if you're feeling, I also feel like if you're unhappy and if you think you're unhappy in your relationship, maybe look at yourself and why you're not happy without looking at your partner. Like what's working in my life and what's not working in my life separate from my partner, because that's a whole other complicated thing that it's so easy to just blame your partner. So look at yourself and see what things you can do to become self full, like we've been talking about. And maybe, and sometimes just that change in your own energy improves the whole mood of the entire household. And maybe it's not as bad as you think. Maybe you're just not taking good care of yourself, which I, which we see a lot, especially in women. I have to be honest. Like they're like, Oh, my marriage is awful. And I'm like, well, tell me about the other parts of your life. Like what's great in your life. And then if there's nothing good there, I'm like, well, this may or may not actually be your relationship. This may be you not taking care of yourself and taking responsibility for your happiness. Mm-hmm. That is so huge. And you're right. It does tend to be predominantly women because yeah, we're, we're raised selfish, be selfless, be selfless. Yes, we are. Everybody first. Yes. And we're caretakers. We're natural caretakers. And you know, when you have kids, you have to do that, right? You have to invest almost everything you have into trying to take care of these little babies and people that can't take care of themselves but that's certainly not true of your partner right Right. and it's you know it's you say that it's women but it's men too yeah men men do that too but but we're men we're men um kind of fall so i'm gonna go back to the sex thing you know yeah Um, a lot of men a number one complaint for, I'd say it's a huge significant percentage of men is they don't get sex enough, or maybe the sex isn't as good as they want it to be or whatever. Um, but are you reading, pick up a book about foreplay, <laughs> try to understand what your uh, significant others kind of, um, you know, do's and don'ts are. Have you ever asked her, how do you want to be touched? Have you ever, you know what I mean? Really right. gone right so or go deep on fan you know like what do you fantasize about what are you (laughs) well and just like what you were talking about earlier with um being exhausted it Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter you could be and you know whoever (laughs) whoever's fantasy person could walk right in and if you're exhausted you're exhausted if you're depleted you're depleted and you talked about cleaning having help i mean if that's what you want is help around the house or help with the kids then that's it. Learn yeah. it. Do it. Well, yeah. there's a, the exhaustion thing sometimes is an excuse also. Like Sam True. used to be at night. She's like, I'd, I'd rather have sex in the morning. I'm too tired at night. And I'm like, well, you know, you could have three minutes of magic tonight and then I'll, I'm just kidding on the time. <laughs> but it's like, I told her, I told her, you know, well, if, if, you know, if we might have to, for 20 minutes, right. Are you so exhausted that you don't have 20 minutes in you? And, and then by then I'm going to be so happy. I'm going to get up early. I'm going to take care of the kids. I'm going to make her breakfast in bed. I mean, you're going to have an extra two or three hours in the morning that you get to sleep in. And I'm like, Oh, that never mind. I can do that. I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. I, I'm, I'm, I feel so much more ch- chipper now. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm going to go back to the, um, passion. One more thing too, because this is another time in my life where it's happened, where in my business, I was in the process of selling it and the guys who were buying it asked me, you know, why, why are you selling it? And I'm like, I just don't, I'm burned out. You know, I just don't, I'm done. I'm, I'm over this. I want to be out. And they came back with just a horrible offer. And I started thinking about, you know, I, I caught myself because I'd already had this epiphany years before that. And I'm like, Oh my God, this is the same thing. I, I, with my complaints where I come into the office every day, nobody even talks to each other. Nobody says hi, everybody just goes in, they put their head down and they do the bare minimum. And then I would sit in my office and do the bare minimum. And so I was like, man, I'm, I'm not bringing my A game at all. So I doubled down on my efforts. Every day I came in, I smiled and I went into each person's office. I sat down and I asked them about their weekend, their day or whatever, their kids. Then I went into my office and I just, I changed my complete, my whole attitude. Um, and it made, I, I started having fun going into work again, you know? Yeah. And so I told the guys that wanted to buy my business. I'm like, no, I'm not selling it now. 
and um i got ended up getting uh, like quadruple the money from the original offer um and then stayed a part of the business after that just because i didn't want to like abandon my people but it was the same thing it almost cost me a, a crap ton of money because of my attitude you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i love that yeah and, and that totally makes sense and again it ties it back around to you're taking care of yourself yeah yep yeah and, and you're giving what you're what you giving what you want to receive around whining what i'm not getting just go out and give it and all of a sudden you start creating. getting it back it just comes back yeah yeah create the magic create the yep. passion create the fun create whatever it is you want to create yeah. And what a great tip. What else is working in your life? Because energy is finite to a certain extent. And if you're giving it all somewhere else, you might truly have nothing left at home, but that is your choice. Yeah, yeah. it's a choice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a choice. So what about for single people, you know, people who are listening, who are like, I just want to find a really good relationship and nobody is out there and blah, blah, blah. And everybody has baggage. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of women listen to this show between like 40 and 60 and between 40 and 60, there's a lot of baggage. (laughs) I would, I would say my first thing, and I know Sam has something on this also, but the number one thing I would say is that quit worrying about finding somebody because there's a lot of people out there that want to find somebody because they really want to be in a relationship and they don't like being alone and all these other things. But take that time that you have now while you're alone to become the most confident, sexy person you can be that doesn't need anyone. That's the person that's going to start attracting men or women. You know, it's Mm -hmm. not the needy person that, you know what I mean? So I agree with that. Mm -hmm. You got nothing else? Well, I was trying to think of what I wanted to say. I mean, You know I think you have to give people a, a, a lot of the women that I see, um, like kind of, sh- it's a balance, right. Between allowing like someone in enough to really know who they are and, yeah. and, and allowing them to have faults and bad, you know, because we all have, right. We all have baggage. We, and so not me, no, no, not <laughs> me. Yeah. Us either. Right. <laughs> We're perfect. No, no. <laughs> but allowing people to have their, their flaws when you're dating, right? Like mm-hmm. not writing people off too quickly because you see something that you don't like and taking the time to really get to know somebody and getting like long enough time where they've been vulnerable and you see their authenticity. Um, yeah. You want somebody that can but fit also, their baggage in a Ziploc bag, not necessarily a suitcase. Right. Um, I just thought of that. It seemed really smart before I let it spill out of my well, mouth. Now it sounds dumb. Well, I just think it's how you, <laughs> I don't, I think you could, I think you could have two housefuls of baggage. It's just a, depends on how you treat that baggage when how you're, yeah. do you know, like some people have had really awful, terrible relationships, experiences, um, childhoods. And so you could, I might look at that and say, God, that's two house full of baggage but if you're a vibrant happy healthy uh, you know adult yeah. who's who just has all this stuff in their past i don't i don't know that's why i didn't like what you said yeah well baggage bit. baggage is something you carry with you <laughs> mm-hmm. what you're fair talking enough. about is something that somebody might have you know left behind all right that's so. fair and and what i thought when you said ziploc i'm like well it's see-through you can see it i'd rather see Ooh, what's i like there. that too yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't want the unknown skeleton in the closet. We don't this know what, what I'm it is. working on. This is what I'm working on. It's in this yeah, bag. Show, over here. show me what you got. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So then, what is, where is the line? Because I think this is a tough one in marriage and in dating. Where is the line between let's make it work or no, it truly is the time to separate? We are not good together. Not everybody is good together. You know, my son broke up with his girlfriend a couple years ago and I'm like, you are both great people and you are not great together and it's good to be apart. And that's not a failure because it's not that every single relationship has to stay together to be successful. Right. Uh, absolutely. And I think that a lot of the relationships that we have that end teach us way more than the one, you know, or, no, I wouldn't say way more than the ones that we stay in, but you learn a lot from um relationships. And I think it helps you set your boundaries. So I think this has a lot to do with what boundaries you, That's where I was gonna go. yeah. What boundaries that you I call them non-negotiable, non-negotiable, non-negotiable yeah. boundaries where, you know, this, like, for example, maybe it's, 
um, this is an easy one because I think it's a lot of people's, you know, cheating. Yeah. If you cheat on me, that's a, that's a non-negotiable and I, and, or uh, dishonesty, you know, if I catch you lying to me, that's a non-negotiable. And so if that's your non-negotiable, you just have to decide where your boundaries are. Right. Yeah, and I, I, so when you're, when you get together and you, and you reset and you put down, look, these are kind of my non-negotiables and I would back off on the, I think dishonesty is probably more important than just saying cheating, because if you're honest and you bring it to the table, then let's, let's, let's lift up the lid there and figure out why it happened. You know what I mean? And who can own True. what and we'll move past it or we won't, but um, at least the honesty still exists if, you know, the faithfulness didn't. Right. So but that being said, um, it's you do you have your list of non-negotiables and they have theirs and you go, I can do that. Yep, I can do that. So either you are not doing what you said you could do on their side um, or they're not doing what they said they would do on your side. But as long as you guys can both agree on those things, um, then I think you can make it work. Mm hmm. All the, and I will go back to what we said kind of at the beginning, you know, there are different phases of our lives and those things, just like our contracts, what, what we what we um, will and will not do changes in our yep. lives and how long we like for lots of reasons, right? Um, yeah. what, what, where our, our boundaries are constantly shifting. So it's not like this is the boundary forever. It's like, this is the boundary I'm willing to put up with right now. And it could change yep. at any point in time. 35 mm -hmm. year old man might really, really prefer to have sex an average of three times a week. But when he's 65, let's see. Right. <laughs> Right. It could be totally different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what about when there is a relationship and one person is really not necessarily not interested, but not that interested. They think it's legitimately fine. And the other person isn't because just like some people want sex more, some people want it less. Some people want the relationship. More. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's a tough balance. Is there anything the person who wants to do more can really do to stimulate that other person to take action. Because I think, I think the there's only, probably, yeah, a lot of people in that category. I think the only thing that they can do is be 100% honest with that other person and have that conversation because we just spent two days doing this exact, having this exact we were conversation. Coaching with someone. And, um, yeah, the, the, but it, she's never really sat him down and said, this is not okay. I can't this continue a, going like this. And if you're okay breaker. with it going like this, going forward like this, then we need to start making plans for, to be apart, you know? And, but until she has that conversation. I think there's something too about specificity. You, I think you can't sit down and say our relationship sucks and I don't like it. Right. Um, you, again, this is like a lot of self-awareness and a lot of community, like, observing what's happening and why you're feeling a certain way and being able to dig deep to see why, why do I feel bad about that? What is happening mm -hmm. with me? Is this really me or is this something that needs to be addressed outside of myself? Um, I think that you have to look inside and then ha and be and figure out really specifically what specifically isn't going well. Like in this relationship, it's, I mean, in, in a lot of relationships, actually sex is one of the big things that and people are really uncomfortable talking about it. Yes. So that makes it even more difficult. And then like specifically, what about the sex? Is it that you're not having enough sex? And, and, is, and right. then again, is it, is, it, is it important? Like you have to weigh all these things before you decide that this is something that needs to be discussed. But, it, and I think, you know, again, what are your non-negotiables for this person? You know, sex is a non-negotiable. She wants to have sex with her partner. And they're right. in a sexless marriage right now. And so, you know, she has to, and I don't think she said like, this is non-negotiable. Like I will find some other partner if you're not going to have sex with me. She hasn't said that. Right? right. So until she says that he doesn't even have a chance to come to the party. Right. Well, She's sort there's of like some dishonesty too on, on his part and that he's going through some stuff and um, he's the, the pressure to have sex only makes it worse because he adds more stress to the already stressful situation, which is already causing the issues. And so there's in this like vicious circle when it comes to all that stuff. So when you have that conversation, hopefully both people can be totally honest and get it all out on the table and then start addressing what's not working. Yeah. Yeah. And that's hard. I mean, even Patrick and I, when we go through issues, um, there's a time and a place, you know, being deliberate about when you're talking about things, 
not after you've been drinking, we think is a bad idea to have these conversations after alcohol or any sort of drug use. Because it just usually doesn't go that Well, it gives way. you the bravery to broach the topic, but then it doesn't give you the ability to react properly. Yeah. Right. Um, right. And that's when you're relaxed is better. And, you know. Yeah. We have a thing too. Sean, you know, my husband likes to watch football. And I have always had this habit of Sundays or whatever coming in and being like, this is what's going on, blah, 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 blah. And he'll be like, uh huh. And then exactly. yeah. and I'll say, well, we yeah, talked but... about that yesterday. And he's like, when, <laughs> well, when the game was on and, and it's like, if the game is on, I know he's not processing. He's not hearing it. <laughs> or if you see someone, bad. if you see someone looking at their phone, yep. it doesn't matter if they say, uh-huh, or you think they're listening. They're not. Yep. multitasking no. this is some of the best research in our book not some of the best but some of the research from our book multitasking does not exist it just does not exist it's not a real thing you can only focus on one thing at a time you just try to switch fast enough but phones are the ultimate the only type of multitasking that exists is tasking and ignoring <laughs> you can do those two things at once <laughs> that's funny that is true <laughs> That is but, absolutely true. But she's absolutely right. If I start talking to her and she's responding to me, but I also see she's sending a text or an email, I'm like, I'll just wait until you're finished. We do that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Or, right. you know, and I, I really need your undivided attention right now. Can we just put pause on the game for a second? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Also, he'll probably, he'll probably remember that one tomorrow. I also, <laughs> I also think important conversations, um, it's not a bad idea to schedule them you know, to say, Hey, we really need to talk. And of course, men hate that. Not just men, but anybody who's not, you know, being ambushed. Yeah. Yeah. Being ambushed. But like, I really need to talk to you about something important. Can we have lunch on Tuesday or, you know, whatever, just making a schedule so that you have that time and that space to have if that a, conversation and give it the intention it needs. And if it's a, if it's a difficult conversation, try to set yourself up to succeed. Like how about if I make your favorite lunch on Thursday and we have a conversation or how about if I take you to your favorite uh, restaurants? I don't like having tough conversations at restaurants, but I'm just saying, do you go Depends take somebody somewhere where, you know what I mean? You can ease the situation by giving a little something to it you know sometimes I, mean? I think if you have someone with a bad temper um sometimes a restaurant is a good idea in yes. my opinion because it, they they um they monitored their own reaction a, yeah so i i disagree with you on the the restaurant thing sometimes that's actually the a perfect place it is a great place to tell them that your bad temper but is it's intentional yeah <laughs> yeah it is intentional yeah, because I think around a lot of that, it does come to an intent. Like you were saying, set yourself up for success. If you are going into a business meeting, you're not going to wing it. You know, if you're exactly. going, yeah, any kind of a situation, a negotiation, whether it's your kid's conference at school or meeting to select an assisted living home for a relative, you have an intention, you have a goal. I want a good outcome for my kids or my parents. If you go to the doctor with a problem, you have an intention, you have an outcome, but I don't know about you or with all of our listeners with my spouse. Oh, you just talk. You don't, yeah. you know, you don't have the outcome. You don't set the intention you don't set yourself up for success. You don't maybe take notes. You don't maybe do a little research. I mean, that's kind of crazy if you think about it. It so is once, crazy. Once it's crazy what we a, think about relationships and how they're supposed to work. Once a year, you need to do the triple R, the relationship reset retreat, because in business, when you really want to get to the, you know, get everybody on the same page, do team building and all that, you go for it, you do a retreat. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of important to do that for your relationship. And, and if both of you go to this weekend, get away or wherever you're doing with knowing that that's what this is going to be about then hopefully everybody's prepared, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just made that one up too. I know that was good on the fly, babe. That was yeah. good. That was good. And when you were saying that, you know, making the analogy to work and the team building, that's so true. And I thought it's so interesting because I think a lot of people are cynical when it comes to relationships, you know, at work, yeah. you might be like, yeah, we're going to do it. But if it's, Hey honey, I just signed us up for a marriage retreat. I think it's, yeah, what do you want from me? Or what are they going to tell me not to? There's that cynicism, that negative 
Yeah, yeah. you're right. Bias. We let's, actually, let's... we run couples retreats and we always make them super fun. Mm-hmm. We always have lots and lots of activities and sometimes ones that push the comfort level of people. We do something kind of edgy, adventurous, because that actually bonds people. But yeah, there's a lot of hesit- people are like, oh, you run. I mean, what? Yeah, I guess couples retreat. Isn't there a, there's, there's like a movie, isn't there? Mayor? marriage retreat yes couples oh my gosh it's so funny yeah so funny so funny it's called couples retreat right yeah Yeah. (laughs) and like that a personal retreat a couples retreat even a facilitated retreat like the way you guys do that should be i think mandatory just like in a business setting you some some retreat once a year we also really we also really think a weekly date night even if you're not leaving your home but you're just time where you have set that aside to spend just together to do something that you both like to do it's good it's Mm -hmm. it's like maintenance you know it's maintenance for your relationship yeah and that leads right into this next point we're in the middle of a pandemic that's probably not going to be ending. It's, it's going to be a while. I know that puts a whole lot of strain on relationships. Yeah. Do you have any tips or tricks or words of insight for people who are thinking day night? I just want to get out of the house right now. I don't want to see them. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of things you can do for a date night. I mean, they can go for a walk. You can, um, it doesn't have to be you know, going out for dinner in a movie, um, which is basically what you're saying is a lot of that's not even possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but then you also have the whole work from home thing too, which is, I think, putting a ton of stress on uh, relationships because people don't like, I liked it when they went to work, that was my time. And now that's gone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I think you have to focus on doing something fun. Yeah, I do. I, I, because it has to be something that you're looking forward to. So if it's, you know, just sitting in the room and talking to each other, that's not usually going to be enough. Like play a game, watch a movie and snuggle. I mean, just do try to do something that you think is going to be fun. Well, you have to, if you're working from home, especially try to create a place in the house where you go to work. And then when you get up and you leave that place, you're done. Just like when you leave the office, you know, because a lot of people try to just keep on working because they're there. And that. Yeah. Then the work never ends. I also, again, like going back to that self-care, self-love, make sure you're doing that. Yeah. A lot of people, I have a lot of friends that are like the gym. That's how I get my, you know, that's, that's my self-care, self-love and I can't go to the freaking gym. So, um, but there's a lot of other things that you can do, you know, I mean, a lot of my friends put gyms in their garages and did some things along those lines, but, um, pick something else, pick something else. If you can't go and do what you used to do, there's gotta be something else. Just pick it. Yeah. I also think trying to carve out time again, going back to like your date night's going to suck if you're not feeling happy and fulfilled and finding happiness and fulfillment in the pandemic has really been a challenge for a lot of people. So you just got to double down, double down. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Calls with your friends because you can't go out. Date nights are about being present with each other. That's really all you got to focus on. So if you're having a date night and you're being 100% present with each other, for at least part of it, like you mm-hmm. maybe watching Netflix is your thing. And I, I get that. We love doing that too, but st- carve out that hour, hour and a half or more, if you can, to, where you can just be present with each other because mm-hmm. that's the, and we also think you should have sex on date night. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So to start it <laughs> off and to end it. We have a lot to say about sex, but exactly. no, this, this is your wheelhouse, <laughs> but on the be present piece tying it to what you said that the pandemic is hard for people. Mm-hmm. I think even if you're having a date night and you're fully being present and you're both saying, I'm mentally struggling right now. And yeah. that's, that's a date night. It's not like date nights have to be a Disney movie where you're leaping through the air, singing to each other. Right. You can With be the bluebird on your shoulder. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I want that, but we have, I think one of our favorite nights, Mm, when was it? It was over the summer. We had all the fires going on in Colorado. Sean was also working the California Santa Cruz fire. Um, the pandemic is flaring. We had two family members with COVID. I mean, it was just like everything. Mm-hmm. And we just had this hike where we were just talking 
And it's not that we were really ranting or sobbing, but it was just, wow, this is hedging. A lot. This yeah. is bad. Yeah, we're having a rough time. I've been getting outdoors too. That's great if you can figure out how to do that. We we live we're so lucky. We live in the middle of nowhere and we've been hiking and spending a lot of time in the outdoors. And then I want to wrap up on the sex piece because I do know that is an important piece. And I know that's what you guys talk a lot. Why is sex so difficult? Why is it so hard to talk about sex? And what can couples do who are feeling, who are maybe raised with that, you know, Puritan idealism and they can't, they can't talk. What, what do you, what's your advice to them? Get over it and start talking about it and, and be community, over communicate when it comes to that stuff. I mean, it's. Well, and recognize that a lot of, it helps if you start to unravel what you think about sex and why. Is it bad? Is it dirty? Is it naughty? Is it icky? Is it, and then why do you think that? And a lot of it is cultural. And yet we use sex to, to sell, but as in religions and all, and I mean, we, we do have a puritanical background here oh, yeah. in this country, you know, oh, yeah. and, you know, it's the original sin. And I think unraveling how and why you feel about that and finding your own truth. I mean, is it, how do you really feel about sex if you get down to it and why, and kind of, I don't know, it's, a, it, it can, it can be tricky to try to unravel all that. I mean, I still don't, I still have a lot of hangups about sex and I educate people about it. Right. Um, so recognizing that we all have that and it's, and it's not, I, we're not consciously thinking that, but when you start to understand your own behaviors or why you do or don't want to do it, you'll start to see some interesting things in there. A lot of the negativity that women feel about sex was put on them via shame by, by the, you know, a patriarchal society. So. Exactly. Yeah, no, that that's true. And, you know, I teach, I teach burlesque and I teach burlesque is that self-development piece. And that is that panic that women go into. I don't know how to be sexy. And it was like, okay, what is sexy? Oh, we got to talk about that. And then I can't do that. Well, why can't you? Oh, there's a lot of layers. The speaking of baggage, right? Back to the baggage conversation. Yeah. But again, I have to do it for me. I can't have my husband do it for me or my wife do it for me. I have to do it for me. Yes, you do. And I, you know, I think again, going back to, you know, the conditioning, most of what we're taught about sex is at least in school. And then all the rest of it, we learn like through hearsay. Yeah. It's reproduction. Sex is reproduction. And it gives you STDs. Yeah. I mean, literally that's all we learn. Yeah. You need, you need a lot more knowledge than that to have a great sex life. Yeah. You can't be, a, I mean, that's sort of fear tactics, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's absolutely. That's really what we're taught. Yeah, it's, it's for reproduction. And uh, it can give you STDs. And if you do too much of it, you're a slut. That's, that's basically yes. what women are. That's what we're talking. Yeah. <laughs> no, there's so much judgment around that. I think we could have a whole other show on the judgment around sex. Yeah. yeah. And, and some of the stuff, you know, how to unravel some of that stuff and understand your own sexuality. Cause that's another thing is we, like I said, we, we think our sexuality is what we heard in the gym or from our girlfriend or on a TV show that really has no idea. And there's a lot of great research that has been done actually very recently. I mean, yes. we didn't even know what the clitoris looked like until like 10 years ago. No. So it's, it's so crazy. Yeah. So there's a lot of great research that's coming out yeah. about sex that is, will help people have a different idea about how it's supposed to work and why. Yeah. And our book includes quite a bit of that. Well, where can listeners get a hold of your book, find your podcast, learn more about you, your story, all of that? So our book is called Marriage from Miserable to Magnificent. And you can find it pretty much Amazon, uh, anywhere you probably buy books. There's an audible version, a Kindle version, uh, the whole thing. Um, Our website's biggerlove.com. We have our podcast, The Not So Perfect Couple, and you can listen to that on all the places that you listen to podcasts. And then I did a TEDx talk as well about sex, actually. So mm-hmm. if you're interested in the sex part and specifically if you have a situation in your relationship where one person wants sex more than another, which is one of the most common issues, it's a, it's a help. It might be helpful. It's called Sex, the New Wonder Drug. 
thank you both so much for being here and for sharing, you know, sharing your journey, being vulnerable about it and being willing to talk because relationships bring, I think the most joy of anything. And they also are the most misunderstood and it's a tough, it's a tough topic for a lot of people. So thank you for being a voice of reason, for providing real researched, you know, material and just for being willing to show up and talk. I greatly appreciate it. Thanks, Laura. We're so happy to be here. And um, thanks for giving us the opportunity to talk about it. You are welcome. And listeners, be sure to reach out um, to them. Reach out to me. I will put all the links in the different show notes. Have an amazing week. And as usual, always remember to flaunt exactly who you are because who you are is always more than enough. Tune in next time to Flaunt. Build your dreams, live your sparkle with radio host Laura Cheadle every Wednesday at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Eastern time on syndicated Dream Vision 7 radio network. Overcome the need to please and find the uninhibited joy of being exactly who you are right now. Come find your fetish, laugh out loud, accept unconditionally, navigate the negative and trust in your truth. Find out more and get your free gift at lauracheadle.com. That's L-O-R-A-C-H-E-A-D-L-E dot com. 